Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, one more time I get to say welcome back to 106.7 The Fan simulcast on the Team 980. We have been talking a bunch about the Commanders and some of the Wizards on court, but we're going to talk about very interesting news that that broke this week, literally right as the uh, Jordan Poole part of the Wizards uh, trades uh, happened during the NBA draft, and that is that the Qatar Inve- or Qatar Investment Authority is buying a passive minority stake, five percent in Monumental Sports, which of course is the parent company of the Wizards, the Capitals, the Mystics, Capital One Arena, the the new. NBC Sports Washington, all that stuff falls under that. And it's a very interesting situation. And joining us here on the show is the guy who broke that story, Eben Novi Williams from Sportico, to help us explain what is happening here. Uh, Eben, thanks for the time. And uh, I guess to sort of say off the top, what does this mean exactly that the, the monumental is – partnering up with the Qatar Investment Authority. I think this is, and thanks for having me, Ben. I I think this is a continuation of uh, a a business trend that we have seen across almost all of the major U.S. leagues here, which is that uh, teams and owners are always desperate for for new capital, new cash, uh, ways to make their valuations grow. And one of the ways they've done that in the past few years is open up the the pool of possible investors, minority partners, and buyers to institutional funds. And that is private equity, that is sovereign wealth, as we're talking about here, that's pension funds, that's endowments. Essentially, in the past few years, the leagues like the NBA and NHL have opened the amount of people that can buy into teams. And Ted Leonsis is the first here with Monumental. He will not be the last NBA or NHL owner to turn to sovereign wealth funds uh, as sources of capital. You know, obviously, you know, we've been dealing with a lot of ownership talk uh, over, around here over the last several months because of the, <laughs> yeah, of the understatement. Command- <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because of the commanders and this whole topic of institutional funds has been part of this because Josh Harris would like to uh, would like to do that. I, the, David Tepper, who bought the Carolina Panthers, he is in favor of that. But the league is very much against it. And I think my my biggest broad takeaway from like the commander sale is if Josh Harris and the partners that he has have been struggling, it seems, to get to the $6.05 billion uh, purchase in a way that makes the NFL happy. 
well, what is going to happen as these prices keep going up and you're limiting your pool of people? And so I've been wondering that in general, and this may be, I don't want to say the way to get around it, but the way for some of these leagues, like you're saying, to recognize, hey, there's not a lot of people who can do this straight out. We have to get these other type of investment sources uh, into the mix. Yeah, it's a great point. And the NFL, as you said, the only major U.S. league that has so far at least prohibited these types of investments from happening. Uh, and the impression I've always gotten from folks talking around the NFL, NFL owners, NFL executives, et cetera, is that it was just going to take one bad sale. One process where uh, exactly what you're saying happened, where uh, they hit the market and nobody could afford to buy the team. Uh, and it, I think it remains to be seen whether the commander's deal, which which I expect to close in the coming weeks, whether that uh, was a bad sale or not. They're going to end up getting a pretty darn good price, $6 billion, the record for, for an NFL team in a sale. Um, Josh and his group, from what I understand, tried some kind of creative uh, financing options. The NFL pushed back on those. I think uh, I think Josh blinked a little bit when it came to some of those options. Um, but you're right. As NFL teams become five, six, seven, eight billion dollar assets, maybe more, depending on which one hits the market next, just the pool of people that can afford to buy these with cash and just a little bit of debt gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And it's the reason why the NFL, the NBA, and the NHL, all the other leagues have have embraced these these new pools of money. And I do think at some point in the next five to ten years, the NFL is going to be forced to join them because the teams are not going to appreciate in value if you don't have anyone that can buy them. We're talking with Evan Novi Williams from Sportico, who broke the news the other day about the monumental sports group uh, selling five percent of their uh, group to the the Cutter Investment Authority. Uh, help me out understand this. I, I heard you talk about this with Kevin Sheehan the other day, but just for the audience here, the deal that they made here was based on a valuation of $4.05 billion. Now, that includes the Wizards, the Caps, the Mystics, I think the building, as well as whatever else is under that umbrella, including <laughs> the, the TV station. That doesn't. That number seems lower than I would think if I'm assuming that the Wizards you know, the Phoenix Suns just sold for about four billion. The Wizards, I don't know if they're at three, two and a half, but it seems low. But explain why that number doesn't maybe doesn't completely match the actual valuation of the whole uh, kit and caboodle. You're not alone. And and if, if if Ted wanted to or if Monumental wanted to at some point sell the Wizards independently and then sell the Capitals independently, I think almost certainly he would fetch a lot more than four billion dollars uh, in those two sales. I think the main reason why this number feels low and, again, is lower than they would sell individually uh, is that this is, a, and you said it at the beginning, it's a passive investment, right? The, the, the Qatar Investment Authority is not getting a board seat here. They're not getting a say in governance. Oftentimes, minority partners are restricted in terms of what they can do with their equity if they want to sell it in the future. Um, and as a result, you see discounts uh, off the enterprise value for small investments like that. The, in, in the industry, they call that the LP discount. Um, and, and for a long time, it was vibrant, right? You would get like a 20% discount, if not more, if you wanted to buy a passive 10% stake in a team relative to buying the whole thing, right? So so w when you mentioned the, the Phoenix Suns, which was a shocking price, and, and it will still, it, it will not cease to shock me, I don't think, for a while. Uh, Matt Ishbia was buying a control stake, right? He was buying the, the, the ability to do whatever he wants with the Suns. And as a result, you pay a premium on the valuation relative to what you would do if you were just signing up to be uh, just a piece of whatever Matt Ishbia wants to do with the Suns. Right. Matt Ishbia is definitely doing whatever he wants with the Suns, as evidenced by the <laughs> Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal trades.
Um, I guess, look, I get the idea of taking on more partners. Ted Leonsis is already not the majority owner. He's what, I, what is he, the managing partner? Like, he already yeah. has less than 50% of that group. Josh Harris will, of course, as well. Why take on another partner? Is it just to get more, uh, more you know, cash into the system to have uh, people, obviously, they're going to have incredible wealth here for whatever else they want to do, i.e. maybe by the Nationals. Why did, what, what's your guess as the, the, the end game for why they wanted to do this? Yeah, I think that the easiest answer is that it's, it's, it's $200 million of money that they can now put, put to whatever they want, right? And, and I think some of that will probably go to the changing media landscape and, and, and shifting over NBC Sports Washington into their vision as a, as, as a network and, and as a digital service. Uh, I think you'll also probably see some acquisition as well. And, and that could be on the tech side, that could be on the real estate side, or it could be something big and splashy. Like you mentioned, the Nationals, right? Ted was the, from what I understand, was the most interested uh, buyer for the Nationals when, when the Lerner family went through that process uh, six or seven months ago. Uh, obviously didn't happen, and it's, it's messy with the Nationals because of that, because of their media complications, as I'm sure you and your listeners are well aware of. Um, but yes, I think that the, the easy answer here is that this deal lets, Ted lets the, the monumental group, their board, gives them a bit more firepower financially. And, and again, I'm sure they will look to be fairly, uh, fairly aggressive when it comes to comes to an investment. It, it, there's so much right now. And Josh Harris, I think, is a good example. So many of the assets that are being bought right now by, uh, by, by sports investors are people that already own a lot of other sports assets. We're, we're kind of entering this phase of the, of the mega owner. And I think Ted, he realized that more earlier than a lot of people that you could take an NBA team and an NHL team and a WNBA team, and you could put the arena next to it and then put the cable network next to it and then put a digital service next to it and, and buy some tech and, and create this kind of big hub and spoke model uh, of, of a sports empire. And I would not be shocked if, if, if the imagination or the vision there is to make that bigger over time. When we, whether it's a radio host, a, a beat writer like I usually am or fans of the team. When we are asked a question, do you think so-and-so is a good owner? You know, we typically are looking at it from a wins and losses perspective, or in the case of the last or Dan Snyder, you know, the, the relative ick factor uh, that's been involved. But from your perspective as a business reporter, and I don't know if this is a question you can answer truly, but like, what do you make of Ted Leonsis as an owner slash businessman because obviously this you know to have if he does whether he gets the nats or not he's got a huge footprint here in this area and he may get the nats as well so what do you make of him from your seat as an owner of uh sports teams it's such an interesting question right because i think if you ask the diehard wizards fan and then diehards capitals fan i think they might have two separate answers very much as well just based on the, on the success that those two teams have had over the past decade and a half. Uh, I, I think Ted, as, as I mentioned, I, mean, I do think he was a, a bit visionary in, in kind of seeing the future of what sports ownership was, which was, which was, again, not just buying a franchise and hoping it does well on the field, but buying a franchise and, and pairing it with a lot of other businesses that are worth more as part of the, of the whole than they would be on their own. I, I think the big question, and, and I, again, I think he was proactive in it. And I think he's been successful so far is how does he navigate the changing media landscape. There are a lot of teams, and I would put the Wizards and the Capitals, both in this kind of massive tranche of, of NBA, MLB, and NHL teams for whom 
the, the, the cable TV model was very good for a while and, and now suddenly looks very scary. And if Ted, with what he did buying a chunk of NBC Sports Washington and now all of it and then pushing very early on into digital, if he can help steer these teams financially through that uncertainty uh, and do it well, then I think he's done a fantastic job, right? Because there are a lot of teams in the NHL and NBA who are facing a significant financial hit when their, when their cable bill comes due. Uh, and a lot of them, I think, are going to struggle to figure out what's next. So if Ted can get these franchises through that um, and, and have them be relatively unscathed financially, I think that's a big success. But, but again, I think the, the, the easiest answer here is how are the teams doing on the field or on the ice or on the court, right? And, and, and that is something that is tangentially related to money, but not directly, right? I think that I, I think his ownership, if and when it ever ends, is going to be evaluated by how the Wizards, how the Mystics, and how the Capitals did uh, performing relative to their peers. Yeah, for for sure. Uh, last couple questions with Evan Noby Williams from Sportico, and, and just you mentioned, you know, the the, the changing landscape on the uh, the TV side and the, the the RSNs and all this is changing, and that they have look, he's got his own uh, station here with NBC Sports Washington, now going to be Monumental Sports Network uh, in uh, short order. What do you? Is there a trend more and more around? the league around sports of owners also owning the network that they're on and the ramifications that come with that, i.e. you're not going to get people on those stations saying fire this person, this team stinks. <laughs> it's, it's all the, it's almost always certainly here. A lot of positive spin. Is that becoming more of a trend? Cause you mentioned these uh, mega owners, the ones who own multiple teams. Is that becoming something that we're seeing more and more around sports? We're de- we're definitely seeing it more and more, and I I, I can't comment directly on 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 the editorial implications of of that ownership, but certainly from a financial standpoint, I mean I, I don't know if they were the first, but what the Yankees did up in New York with the Yes Network just financially, it's such a huge boost to them, right? To be able to capitalize not just on on on, on selling the the rights to their local games. Uh, but also to capitalize on the carriage fees and the advertising that those networks command, right? For so long, it was a really, really lucrative model. Um, and again, it's, it's the reason why Ted owns it. It's the reason why the, 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 the Red Sox are a partner in Nesson. It's the reason why the Orioles did what they did with Nesson, right? It's, it, the, the economics work out really well. And again, that is changing now, right? And, and there, there is possible, it's, it's certainly possible that in a couple of years, as people flee cable television that owning these things is maybe a uh, is, is maybe an anchor or a drag on, on the businesses. Right. And, and again, I think that's one of the things that Ted is trying to figure out right now. And, and he has certainly been active in trying to adjust the business, but for now, at least, and certainly in the past, yes, it's been very lucrative. If you were a sports team and you also owned the network that, 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 that broadcast your team's games, and, and we're going to see a separation at some point, right? The, Yes, Network is going to continue to be extremely lucrative for the Yankees. Nesson will continue to be extremely lucrative for the Red Sox. The teams that do this and do it well are going to continue to have this really, really lucrative revenue stream. And the teams that don't are really going to struggle and, and could potentially fall behind. And, and the challenge, again, for any owner that is not, uh, it does not own the, the, the Cowboys, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Cubs, uh, the Lakers, the Dodgers, um, I put Ted in this category. The challenge for anyone in the middle there is trying to figure out what your media future looks like in a way that does not severely harm your ability to spend on good coaches, on high-powered players, et cetera. Um, last question for you, and 
you know, obviously the sports world got got shook up a few weeks ago when we heard about the PGA Tour and the Saudi, uh, what is the investments, uh, what, what is it? PIS, yeah. yeah, the Saudi investment fund, yeah. Right, that they became, you know, the Live Tour, the PGA Tour, merged, whatever you want to say. There's now a direct connection between these two, and obviously there's been a lot of discussion over what the, the geopolitical aspects of, of, of being in partnership with Saudi Arabia and so on. And obviously I think the immediate reaction here is some of that when, when you hear about a uh, similar organization from Qatar involved. That's not the same thing. It's, this is, like you said, a passive group, whereas the in, in the other case, there's going to be more, uh, there, there, there's more involvement. What is going to happen here with this geopolitical aspect, though? Are we going to have to, every time we talk to these owners now, is it going to be some version of, hey, uh, you know, wh- why do season ticket prices go up? Why did, why, why did you fire the coach? And why are you getting involved with nations that have questionable reputations? Is, is this going to be the, the, the norm here? It's such a good question, and, and it's gonna. We're gonna see it play out for sure. I, I can promise you that, that that Ted and everyone else at Monumental is is very well aware of uh, the human rights concerns in in Qatar. We talked about it a lot around the World Cup uh, last year, earlier this year, um, and I'm sure he was aware that doing this was going to bring a lot of questions about that. Um, you mentioned a big difference there that I do think is important in that the PIF, the Saudi Arabian Sovereign Wealth Fund, is going to be a very active partner in that golf, you know, global professional golf conglomerate. Uh, and, and again, b- because the QIA investment here in DC is, uh, is passive, it is a little bit different in terms of the, uh, of the structure of it. And also kind of the say, so that the sovereign wealth fund is going to have, uh, the other side of that coin is that, yes, they're, they're both, again, both Saudi Arabia and Qatar are, are nations that have had human rights concerns. And there are a lot of people who think and fear that allowing, sovereign wealth funds from those countries to buy into very prominent uh, investments, including those in sports, uh, fear that that is essentially letting these companies kind of improve their global standing, improve their global image. And, and for those people, yeah, this is a, there's certainly some, some things that I'm sure they don't like about this deal, just like they did not like about the golf deal. Um, I, again, I do think, as I said at the beginning, I don't think a lot of that is going to stop uh, this trend that we're seeing. I think there are going to be more and more, sovereign wealth investors into the NBA, same with the NHL and MLS and MLB and long time down the road, maybe even the NFL. And I do think the more and more it happens, I think the less controversial each individual one becomes. Um, so I think, I think this is, again, the first of, of, of many. And as a result, I do think over time, and whether this is intentional or not, I think we can debate that. But uh, I, I think over time, the, the impact of these deals being done is going to, uh, going to settle quite a bit. Great stuff. Uh, go follow Evan on Twitter at Novi, N-O-V-Y underscore Williams. Uh, great job on this. And like I said, he's been on top of a lot of the commander's sale as well. And, uh, you know, so make sure to follow him uh, in case he's got some other reporting on that as well. Evan, really appreciate the time. Have a great rest of your Saturday. And, uh, yeah, the ever-changing world of uh, sports ownership. We'll see what happens. Thanks, guys. All right. Great stuff there from Evan Novi Williams. Uh, we've got more to discuss. We'll, we'll, we're going to veer into the Wizards at 4.30 with our guest, Zach Harper. But a few more thoughts on what we just discussed here uh, and Ted Leontes' uh, ownership as well here on 106.7 The Fan. Call from mom. Answer it. 
Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I clearly think the universe is telling me something about my dinner plans. Earlier, we had a caller while he was talking to me, was dealing with a with his uh, drive through order at Wendy's and now the commercial right before we come back in here also for Wendy's. So clearly, uh, you know, look, I'm trying to eat healthier, but sometimes you got to listen to the universe and there, that may be legitimately what the universe is trying to tell me to do here. Uh, we've got, a, uh, in a few minutes, uh, we'll talk to Zach Harper or one of our NBA national writers at the athletic to get his overview of the wizards. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll work in some more Time with about uh, thoughts on Ted Leontis later, which is a short segment here. Uh, but it'll be curious to see because the Wizards made one of the more interesting picks, I think, of the first round with the French 18-year-old Bilal Koulibaly at the seventh overall pick. You know, it wasn't like you could just turn your TV on and watch a, a kid from, from Duke or UCLA. Uh, even the G League Ignite teams, you could go to a game, hypothetically. You know, not that... Uh, you know, they play in the continental United States. I know people were watching Victor Wembanyama, of course, and Kulabale played with him. But even that, like, he wasn't playing with him the whole time. He had, it was his late riser, got on that French team later on. And it's going to be just so fascinating to see. You know, I think people still sometimes forget with the draft, you forget the age of the person. You're trying to evaluate what a human being will do over time. How will they grow? How will they mature both physically and mentally, spiritually, whatever it might be? What kind of human being are they going to be down the line? They obviously like this kid. He has grown a lot in recent in recent years. He was a guard-sized player, and then he grew into this 6'8 dynamo who can play on the wing. I don't even know if we know for sure if he has stopped growing or not, but they obviously love the physical tools and they made that pick. I don't know how much I'm curious to see. I don't know if it was asked maybe, and I missed it. How much is he even going to play this year, but it will be really interesting to see what they do. And as I said, Zach Harper is going to join me next to discuss what does he think of Koulibaly and the wizards whole 
teardown here. We'll get to that next here on 106.7 The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. All right. Let after the last segment where we're talking about the business of sports, let's just get to talking about the sports of sports, specifically with the NBA joining us here right now to talk about what the Wizards have been up to, as well as looking ahead to the NBA free agency. Is my colleague at the Athletic, Zach Harper at Talk Hoops on Twitter. You know, Zach, you are also part of the the Cinephobe podcast with me and Al Hassan, who I had on the podcast. On this radio show, I should say last week, I just realized so I'm ha- I'm having the whole crew on with me here. I mean, that, look, it's once you get into the world of cinephobe, you can't really find your way out of it. So I am a little worried about you if this is the trend. There's a lot of reasons to be worried that it won't be top of the list, but it just adds to it. So fair, fair enough uh, for, for for that. Um, well, thanks for joining us. You are a guy who obviously pays attention to all things NBA, but you get deep into the draft for us as well. And you've, you know, you, you, you write up the you know, winners and losers and things like that. Uh, you like Bilal Koulibaly for the Wizards. Tell everybody why you like that pick. I, to me, he was, he was my third favorite prospect in the draft. And I'll, I'll admit, you know, I, I knew who he was and I was kind of aware of, you know, I watched a lot of Wimbenyama games because the NBA, while they said, please don't tank, it's against, you know, morality and sports. They also made sure to show a random French game every, every week on the NBA <laughs> app, you know, so we got to make sure to get that in. But, um, you know, I, I watched that team a lot throughout the year, just trying to see what Wimbenyama is all about. And then recently I was watching some Wemby highlights and, and some game footage and everything. And I just started noticing this dude that I kind of knew and kind of paid attention to. And I dove deep into the Bilal Koulibaly you know, footage and the the film and the synergy and everything. This kid's amazing. Like he's, he's really, really good. Like he's still very raw and he's still got to kind of get his skill set back up to, to the growth of his body because he's had a late growth spurt. But um, I look at him and I just think this is kind of what everyone saw with Scotty Barnes. Like he, he just looks like a guy who's going to be able to make plays at a certain point. He's super athletic. He's super long. 
He knows how to move without the ball. He's going to be a great defender. Like he's just a do it all guy. I think the shot will be there at some point in the NBA level. And I just, the more I watched of him, the more I kind of fell in love with him as a prospect. And I was thinking it's going to be a steal for someone if they get him in the 10 to 14 range. And then when the wizards went for him, essentially at seven by trading into the pick, I, I would thought it was a brilliant move. Like for a team that's rebuilding a team, that's just going to kind of lay low for a little while and, and develop prospects. I think he's the perfect prospect to develop. Could not agree more. I was not, I didn't do a deep dive this year into the NBA draft. I'm busy with covering the commanders. That's a literally a full-time job. But I, when I started to pay attention to some of the options for Washington, I had the same reaction that you did, especially once we saw they were going to do the whole teardown thing. There's no rush. There, there's This 23-24 season is only about asset gathering and development. And like you said, perfect, an 18-year-old who is raw, a lump of clay, I believe is what one of the executives described him as, is is a perfect guy. I say shoot for the for the moon. Eventually, you're gonna have to. You know, picks have got to hit. But this feels totally reasonable to take a huge swing on a guy who you know may have the goods to be one of the better players. Absolutely, and I think you know a safe play would have been like a Taylor Hendricks, who's going to be a, an incredible player. I think Utah really lucked out by him falling to nine. You know, you could take uh, you know you could have traded up and taken one of the Thompson twins. Like, there's a lot of lot of good prospects there available. But I think for someone like Koulibaly, like it's just you know that molding molding the clay. He there's just an instinct about the way he plays of knowing when to cut, when to move, when to rotate over, when to go for a block shot, when to just kind of be in position. It's it's an instinct thing. I don't really think you can teach. You can teach skill. You can teach playmaking. You can teach that kind of stuff. But his instincts are just phenomenal. I love hearing that because to me, I think that's one of the most fascinating aspects of sports, but especially basketball can you teach instincts and I've, i mean i think the answer is kind of no other than just to say maybe with more experience somebody's instincts will come out more than they have been but yeah i think that's such a fascinating angle you've got to be have a feel for the game it's not something you can just learn per se so that's good to hear that he has that uh we're talking with zach harper from the athletic so just give me a broad view of the wizards overall they finally did it they traded Bradley Beal. That became official today. They traded Kristaps Porzingis. They got back some veterans, but they are clearly planning for the future, which may be two, three, four years down the road. What do you make of kind of what they've done? I mean, I, I'll be honest. I did not like the first two trades. I have no problem with them trading Beal and trading Porzingis. I just think their asset accumulation from it, it unless Tyus Jones re-signs next summer for a, a fairly reasonable deal, because I do think he's a starting you know, starting caliber point guard in this league. I think he's really, really good. But if he's just a rental, then that, you know, that seems like a very big disappointment. I get the whole idea that, all right, well, Bradley Beal had a no trade clause, so he could kind of control where he went. And that's all true, but you control where you want to, or when you want to, to move him, right? Like I get wanting to get out in front of it and start the tear down and everything, but there was no rush unless he was going to change his personality or his representation was going to put real pressure on the Wizards. This idea that they needed to get it done now, considering they didn't get any first-round picks, I think two of the four pick swaps are kind of fake pick swaps. Like, one of them's next year. Well, they're not going to be (laughs) – the Suns aren't going to be worse, right, Right. next season than what the Wizards are, so that's not a real pick swap. And then the one, I think it's in 2028, uh, I believe – I believe either Brooklyn or OKC, I can't remember who has it, but someone has that pick swap power over them already, and so they're not going to get the best 
pick in that deal. So that's kind of a fake pick swap. But everything else, like, all right, second-round picks can be fine. Landry Shamit's not anything. They do flip Chris Chris Paul into Jordan Poole and, and some you know potential assets there. And so that's nice. But I just thought from an if – if the goal is to tear down and get assets, I thought the timing of it was not great, and I thought the accumulation wasn't great. But the Chris Paul trade to the Warriors does help that quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing my best to try to move on. It is very hard, though, to think what they could have gotten for Bradley Beal if they had traded him. This is not Monday morning quarterbacking. Many of us around here were saying the second you traded Westbrook, trade Bradley Beal right now and start over. Or some yeah. people thought even the year earlier than that. But they obviously waited, and it is they, they did it at the worst time. You missed the Wembanyama situation, so you can't tank for him. Uh, you're going into a draft that is very unpredictable, it looks like, for next year. There's a new CBA. All these things, it's it, it's an underwhelming return. There is no argument um, for me about about that. Um, that said, I guess, like, what do you think about? Um, I don't even know what to ask. I guess just because it's so far down the line. I guess what do you think about at least the process that they went through? No pun intended. The the way they've got, at least gone about it. The new executives led by Michael Winger. Do you at least like? What do you make of like the way they've gone about it so far as an indication of how they may do this rebuild going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the Jordan Poole acquisition was, you know, the Tyus Jones acquisition was good because I do think he is an undervalued asset. And he was looking to go somewhere else anyway and, and start uh, probably this coming season. It seems like he wanted to be kind of out of that backup point guard position. So I do think that's a positive, again, as long as they keep him long term or maybe they flip him for, for another asset. Uh, the Jordan Poole one's interesting because I don't think he could be he, his trade value could be lower considering the contract he has and the and the just the the horrendous play he had last season for the Warriors, which I do think there are a lot of valid reasons he had it. You know, his teammate his teammate punched him out, and then that video got out there, and that embarrassment they never really recovered from. But in, in terms of of the move. You're you're buying low because you weren't going to get Chris Paul to stick around. So you're buying low on that with a potentially high reward asset in Jordan Poole. You get a pick. You get a couple of young guys. Maybe you can develop. Um, I think the trend of that from the Beal trade to this trade is positive. And and so I think Michael Winger. I mean Michael Winger is one of the most respected executives around the league. A lot of people have been wondering when he's going to get a team and when he's going to take a job. They remove all that that salary in terms of Bradley Beal's contract, and now you have the opportunity to go out there and absorb bad contracts like maybe a Jordan Poole or maybe someone else down the road and have picks attached to it. That's the rebuilding way. That's what the Thunder have done. That's what a lot of teams do in the rebuilding process. And so as long as they figure out that plan while nailing draft picks and developing them, that's really all you can ask them to do, and then you see which of those guys that they end up with become stars, but at least I think from the Beal trade to the pool trade, I like the trend of it. It's getting better and better on the return. All right, let's uh, – I we could talk all day to Zach about all kinds of topics, but go read his winners and losers story on The Athletic along with all his other work. Let's look forward. Free agency is coming up, and, of course, there's going to be trades and other moves there. What for you I, – I, look, I, I don't think the Wizards are going to be players – other than maybe they take on a, a, somebody's bad contract to acquire more picks, but what do you? What for you? What's the thing that's like tops on your radar going forward here as we get closer to uh, start a free agency? This is weird. 
flirting with Damian Lillard in the heat, which I, you know, they say it's accidental. They say it's not. I, you know, he's playing welcome to Miami in the background. They say it was a coincidence. I don't know the last time someone played that song without being in Miami. Like that's not, that doesn't seem like a coincidence to me in 2023, but what do I know? And then Jimmy Butler's, posting that he's listening to Dame's music. I don't know that many people listen to Dame's music. No offense to Dame. And so there's a lot of weird stuff there. I think everyone's looking to, are the Pelicans going to trade Zion? Are the Blazers going to trade Dame? And if not, then what's the best available? It seems like Atlanta really wants to rework their roster, and a lot of guys could be available. You know, the Raptors have looked into moving a bunch of guys, and, and Pascal Siakam has kind of nuked some of that by saying he's not going to re-sign somewhere long-term if he gets traded there. Like, he really wants to stay in Toronto. And from a free agency standpoint, I guess, you know, Kyrie is is someone who could move the needle a little bit, although I'm not sure for the right reasons. It, it may come down to Draymond. Is Draymond going to stick around in Golden State, and are, are they going to do right by him in terms of contract? Or does he kind of blow that thing up and decide, all right, maybe I'll find my way to the Lakers. Maybe I'll find my way to to Dallas. Maybe I'll find my way to another team that, that has some cap flexibility or some cap space. I mean, Draymond may be the biggest name to go, which doesn't sound that sexy, but if he goes somewhere else, the Warriors, as good as Steph Curry is, they kind of fall apart and have to change the, the way that they approach things. And, and that could be a, a massive ripple throughout the Western Conference. Yeah, and, you know, on the on the Dame front, like, because, you know, Miami was thought to be a, a main contender for Bradley Beal. Uh, you know, Ted Leonsis thought they were going to have uh, that Mark Bartleslein was going to give them multiple options. Instead, it feels like it only came down to Phoenix. And I guess we're all kind of thinking that Miami was decided, nah, we'd rather go for Dame. So if they don't do that, then I'm kind of like, well, wait, why did they perhaps pull out of the Wizards deal? So, yeah, I don't know what they could even do for Dame, but that is fascinating. Do you think it's up to Dame basically at this point to say to Portland, hey, get me out of here? Yeah, because I think they've been playing this weird game of chicken of like, Portland, the front office and Dane, like neither of them want to take the responsibility of initiating the trade process, right? Like that's what it seems like. Like they're just like, well, it'd be great if you requested a trade, Dame. And he's like, oh man, it'd be great if you guys decided just to, just to go for a reset. Like no one wants that PR hit when I think in reality, everyone's fine with it, right? Like they, nobody, nobody would fault Dame for wanting to go somewhere else. Blazers fans aren't going to hate him. They, they're going to appreciate what he's done. And everything else just seems like this weird game of chicken. Like I, Miami would be the number one team, I think, or maybe, you know, maybe Brooklyn could get in there because they can throw a lot of picks around. Uh, in regards to my, I think Miami would rather get Dame than Bradley Beal. I think getting Bradley Beal felt like more of a realistic trade option with their picks available, and then maybe either Tyler Hero or Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson, whatever that package would have been. Uh, but unfortunately, they're, you know, Mark Bartleson's son isn't a CEO for the Heat. He's a CEO for the Suns, and it's funny how that works out. Yeah. Well, yeah, that is yeah, quite, quite, quite fascinating how that works. Hey, Zach, I really appreciate the time at Talk Hoops on Twitter. And, of course, he does a great job covering the NBA for The Athletic, one of the reasons to subscribe to the site. Uh, really appreciate it. I'll get some rest in between the draft and free agency because we know that is going to be crazy time. That's going to be nuts. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right. Fun stuff there. Yeah. I, I don't know that the Wizards are going to be aggressive. And by that, I mean they won't be. But they're going to do some more here. They're going to trade one of these point guards they have. They've got Monty Morris, uh, Jones, who we just discussed, and DeLon Wright. So they'll do something with you would think with one of those three. I would think Monty Morris. And they maybe have to fill out the roster a little bit. But do they take on somebody else's bad contract? 
to get some extra picks. We will see. We'll talk more Wizards in a bit. Uh, we'll do that. I'm here till 6. Ben standing with you on 106.7 The Fan. As I was saying in my last conversation with Zach Harper, you know, trying my best to move forward when talking about the Wizards and not reflecting on how much they uh, lost by not trading Bradley Beal a couple of years ago when it would have had greater value ahead of the um, massive contract extension, not to mention the no trade clause. But, you know, in thinking about kind of where the Wizards are, they have obviously turned the page on that Ernie Grunfeld, Tommy Shepard era. It is now the Michael Winger era from the front office perspective. But I went back. There's a, there was a story from 2019 after they ultimately landed on Tommy Shepard. Um, the, for the Washington Post, I had talked to Ted Leonsis at the time, and it was about the one where Leonsis said he spoke to 78 people in professional sports and beyond seeking to learn where he had aired and how he should reconstruct the Wizards into a modern sports organization. Spoke to Barack Obama, spoke to Greg Popovich, all these people. I'll move on from that notion because that's the, yeah, we had the caller earlier who said, you know, need a little more structure with the commanders uh, in terms of like who's running what and how many people are around. You don't need to talk to 78 people. And I don't think that was a legitimately, it's not like you had real heart to heart, but more to the point, looking at that story, I went back and read it and a couple of things stood out to me. Here's one. It was a quote from Leonsis about, if you recall, they fired Ernie Grunfeld during the season, but then instead of making a hire relatively soon after the year, they waited like, I don't know, three months or something before they ended up hiring Tommy Shepard, the guy who had been down the hall for years, even though they hired a, brought in a consultant and all that. And Leontes said here, quote, it was a very, very long gestation period. It wasn't what people were expecting, which was it's a small pool of candidates. You're going to hire a replacement for the last executive who was there. Um, he said he knew he would get some grief for waiting, but that's what he wanted to do. And what's so interesting about that is not only put, putting aside the spin, again, they hired the guy down the hall. So it's not like this gestation period led to something new. But what's interesting is the idea of a small pool of candidates. This one, this hire, publicly, all we know is he, he interviewed Michael Winger and he interviewed Trajan Langdon, uh, who's currently the uh, GM for the Pelicans, but he's number two there behind David Griffin. There may have been a third I've heard, but I'm not positive. So that is a pretty small group of candidates. So four years later, he does what he's saying. He didn't want people, what people expected of him then and he didn't do. Okay. He, the article also says that Leontis knew letting go of Grunfeld was the right move, but he recoiled at the thought of simply replacing him with another all-powerful president. Uh, I think Michael Winger right now has more power than Ernie Grunfeld ever did. Not just in terms of the, I mean, Michael Winger could rebuild, could tear down the team. I don't think Ernie Grunfeld ever had that power. I don't know that for a fact, but the fact that they never did it, and the owner in 2019 said, we will never ever tank. I mean, Grunfeld was gone soon after that, but Tommy Shepard as well. We will never tank. Doesn't seem like they they were given that kind of a power. So not only does Winger have the power to tank, or let me let me let me rephrase that to rebuild. Tank has too much of a negative connotation, but also he's overseeing all operations, meaning the Mystics, the Go Go, 
I, that may not be ideal, and I don't know if, how much time he's going to spend on the Mystics at least, but that is more power. So, you know, four years later, the owner talking about all, you know, they also did that year when they landed on Tommy Shepard. They couldn't just simply say we hired Shepard. They came up with this team of teams concept. They hired Sashi Brown, the former Browns executive who's now with the Ravens, to be to be sort of the team president, and he would be at the same level as Shepard, as would Dr. Medina, who was overseeing all the medical stuff. You, they brought in John Thompson III from Georgetown. Like, they had this team of teams concept because you couldn't just say, we hired Tommy Shepard, because that would, you know, you had to make it look smarter. We know what we're doing. And now, <laughs> now four years later, we have a team president of basketball operations. We have a general manager. We have Travis Schlank, the former Hawks GM, as a director of player personnel, the normal stuff. And it's just funny <laughs> trying to make all these proclamations about how we're doing things and, and, and trying to sound all smart and, and fancy. And ultimately four years later, he just did exactly what he's saying. He didn't essentially want to do then. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this plan works. Um, and it does feel like he is trying to stay out of the, out of the way a little bit, in part because he's got all these other things happening here, as we discussed with Evan Novi-Williams earlier. Um, NBC Sports Washington becoming a, a monumental sports network, still eyeing the Nationals, taking on partners. There's a lot going on. Now he's got basketball people to run basketball. Clearly they have a lot of power, and uh, it was a small pool he was that he was picking from. Uh, up next, Jordan Poole. Big town or big contract? We'll talk about that next here on 106.7 The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 